we're talking about how do we connect with God. If you're going to be a level four believer, which is an all sold out believer to God, there, then you want to take God's word seriously. And when you take God's word seriously and, and begin to uh, uh, connect with him, the, the connection gets deeper and better and more intimate and more incredible. And there's some things we can do to, to literally see that happen. And I want to encourage you today to, to do what I'm about to share with you. I'm going to encourage you to actually practice it. And it's going to take some effort. Uh, I know we live in a fast food society where, you know, an In-N-Out burger feels like an eternity to get. Uh, but, but, you know, there's no quick fix to being spiritual. And, and what I'm going to encourage you more than ever is, is we're about to get into an amazing truth that if you practice, it will become awesome for you. Um, D.L. Moody tells about a time in his life when uh, he actually was seeing God move. The church was booming. They couldn't even seat everybody that came. He had started doing these crusades. Back then, that was something new. People are coming to know the Lord. And, and he literally was moving the United States and portions of the world. He was the Billy Graham of his day. And, and what happened is they're literally having, again, a seating problem in the church. And he came in one Sunday to preach. And sitting right down here on the front row are two women. And they just never even make eye contact. And, and that just infuriated him. And he's looking at them and trying to get eye contact and trying to get them to tune. They don't do it. After the service, he walks up and said, um, you know, I don't know that you were listening to my sermon. And they looked and said, we weren't. And he said, what? They go, no, we were praying for you. And he said, well, what were you praying? They said, we were praying you'd get the Holy Spirit. And he said, uh, kind of offended, I have the Holy Spirit. They said, no, no, we mean really get an anointing. And he said, he almost got prideful and said, look at this around you. I mean, and he was just mad. And he thought, you're just bugging me. And they, next week, they're sitting there again. Heads down, they don't even make eye contact. He just can't stand it. So he goes up to him and he says, you know what? If you're not gonna listen and you wanna pray for me, you could do it out on the steps. And they said, okay. Well, the next week he's walking up to church, they're sitting on the steps praying for him. And the door was open during the service. He could see him out there. And he said it drove him crazy. He doesn't know why, but it bugged him. Well, it was weeks later. In a hotel room in Boston, Massachusetts, where Dwight L. Moody said that God's Holy Spirit grabbed him in such a way that, that he said, I can't describe it. And he said, I literally begged God to take his hands off me because the joy was about to kill me. He said, I had never experienced that before. And he said, from that point on, something new began to happen. God moved even in bigger ways. God did more. And he said, I saw it happening. Now, what I want to tell you is that everybody, all of us, have different moments in our life where God wants to do things. Uh, it's not you just get saved and that's it. There are different moments and, and like very specific ones where, pow, God, all of a sudden you go, that was the Lord. And one of those for me was after I had already been a pastor in two different churches and was in my third, college graduate, uh, uh, moving forward in ministry, I went to a conference for pastors, and the man who got up to teach started talking about biblical meditation. Now, the Bible speaks of meditation. That's what we're going to be talking about. But he started talking about biblical meditation. And I sat there thinking, I had never heard of this. And, and, and I'm listening and taking notes and reading the scriptures. And now I'm thinking, how did I miss these? And, and why did I go through four years of college and never had that taught to me? And, and I'm just shocked by how much the Bible has to say and how I had never done this. 
Then he began to talk about not just how you do it, but the promises of it. We're going to get into it more later. But let me tell you, Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 and Joshua 1 verse 8 both give a, a promise to anybody who truly meditates on God's word day and night. It says in Psalm 1 3, then you will have God will make your way prosperous, and in Joshua 1.8, and you will have good success. God actually says, I will make your way prosperous, and I will give you success if you meditate. Well, I, I thought, man, if this is what God has, not just for the promise, I want to interact with God this way. So the next day, man, I'm morning in the morning, I'm starting to memorize scripture and relax myself and let it flow into me. And that night, that's what I did. And, and then I finally had it memorized. And, and so what I would do is I would sit and I'd begin my quiet time by calming myself, just repeating the scripture in my mind and, 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 and beginning to dig into it more. And at night, I'd lay in bed and, and I'd pray and then I'd just begin to meditate and fall asleep doing it. And, and, and as I began to do that, I, I sensed something happening. But, but what's interesting is three days into the process, on a Wednesday night, I walked into the Bible study I was teaching, and I looked, and it's packed. And I thought, whoa, where'd everybody come from? It wasn't uh, any flyer or publicity that was sent out. It wasn't a brand new series. There's just more people there. And when I got done speaking, I had people walking up going, whoa, I don't know what it is. Something's different about you. And, and then they were saying this phrase, and they had not said this in my ministry before. They were said, you know what? It was like you were talking right to me. Something was going on. And, and, and so that kept happening. I decided to do an experiment. I, I said, God, I don't want to test you, but I'm going to try something. And for the next quarter, we put out no publicity. Now, I'm not anti-publicity, but we just, no kind out cards, no mailers, nothing, no signs. Uh, for the next quarter, we didn't make a big deal to anybody about what was coming up. And what I noticed happening is, man, we just kept growing and growing and growing. And, and I stepped back going, God, there's only one thing that's different. And then that's that I'm meditating and I'm getting other people to meditate. What I'm telling you is it works. And when you meditate with God, what you're doing is you're taking your hand off the talk button and letting God speak to you. See, God wants to talk to you. Now, now, we are to be in a dynamic, interactive relationship with God. You should at times press the talk button and pray. And we talked about that last week, passionately praying. But you got to have a lot of times in your life where you let go of the talk button and you let God speak to you. And I'm going to tell you, I believe the clearest way he speaks to us is in biblical meditation. God speaks in a clear way. He grabs hold of us in a clear way, and it becomes amazing to us. In 1 Timothy 4.15, it says this, Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. The, word, the, the Greek word that we translate take pains is one Greek word, meleteo. Meleteo literally means to meditate. Uh, Vincent's uh, New Testament word studies translates meleteo to talk to oneself, to murmur to oneself, to delight in, to attend to. Thayer's Greek lexicon uh, tran or translates meleteo as a meditative pondering. So don't, don't miss where we're going. Paul the Apostle is telling Timothy, he says, if you meditate in these things and be absorbed in them, your progress will be evident to all. Now, Jesus actually said something interesting. He said, you're going to be known by your fruit. And, and he says, in other words, when, when people see you, you can't hide something that's going on if it's real. Paul said, if you and I meditate, he says, people won't miss that you're growing in the Lord. 
people aren't going to miss uh, God bringing fruit in your life. People aren't going to miss there's something different about you. People who meditate, it says there's no way you can hide the incredible effect that God's going to have in your life. And, and God's call for you and I to do is to meditate. And James 1.21, I really believe James had meditation in mind when he said this. He said, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in all humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. He said, I want you to have the word of God implanted within you. I want you to make it so it literally is a part of you. Now, why does meditation do that? Or how does meditation do it? Well, psychologists tell us that you and I have three memory banks. Everybody here has an impressional memory bank. And, and right now, I hope I'm interacting with that. You're sitting here, and, and, and things are being said. They're impressing into your mind. And, and here's what's interesting about the impressional memory bank. The truth of the matter is, in three hours, everybody here is going to forget 60% of what I said. And in six days, you're going to forget 90% of what I said. And by the way, even if you want to remember, it's going to be tough to remember if the only operating area of your, brain, your mind, your, your memory, is the impressional memory bank. Now, now, the second memory bank you have is called the temporary memory bank. Now, in other words, you can up the level of, of memory and the length of memory and the quality of memory if you become more dynamic in the process. So if you're sitting here today, and when I call out a scripture, you turn and read it with me. And then you know what? You're going to remember far more of what we talk about. If you not only read it with me or maybe get it on your iPod and follow it, uh, but you also take notes, you're going to remember even more. And, and so we know that's true. And the level of memory, the length of memory, the quality of memory goes up the more you interact with it. If you sit here today and, and what happens is I share something and you actually read it and you take a note on it and you listening to me still go, Lord, I really want to remember, then you're going to remember far more by that. Now, now think about this. If you are listening today, opening the scripture, taking notes on it, praying about it as we speak, then you go home and all this week, what you do is you get out your notes and you look them over and you download the sermon and listen to it again. And then you, you watch the sermon on video. Do you know what's going to happen? You're going to be so sick of me, you'll never want to hear me again. <laughs> and I know that's true. So I'm not asking you to do that. That's like, oh, no way. But, but here's the point, is that the more you're involved, the longer and the better you remember. But then, here's what else is cool. Not only do you have an impressional memory bank, not only do you have a temporary memory bank, we all have what's called the permanent memory bank. And, and, and while it may vary a little bit with people, what they have found is this. If you would interact with something three times a week for 21 days, you'll never forget it. Now, now, in other words, if you were to memorize scripture and repeat it to yourself just even three times a week for 21 days, it will actually be permanently locked in your memory. And God said, I want you to have God's, my word, planted within you. And when you meditate, it usually takes about 21 days to do a passage. Uh, what happens is it becomes a part of you. It, it is implanted deep within your mind, heart, and soul. And that's how we implant this. That's how we make it happen. And, and God promised through Paul to Timothy to us that when you do that, he says your progress will become evident to all. It will change you. It will do something for you. Now here's something else interesting. This is Time Magazine. This is um, uh, the February the 23rd, 2009 issue. And the cover story is on how faith can heal people. 
Now, now this is an amazing article or series of articles. I'm going to be quoting from it in the coming weeks. But, but here's what I want you to know. Scientific studies are showing that when you do things the Bible calls for you to do, your physical health improves. It actually improves your immune system. It improves your, your energy. It improves your ability to handle stress. Uh, but, but here's what even gets more interesting is that when you meditate, it says, according to the studies, your brain changes. Your brain actually functions better. Now, here's what I want you to think about. The God who loves you, who created you, and calls for you to meditate, made your brain so that if you do it, your brain actually would be healthier. But we could actually, using the brain scans and stuff, see physical changes that take place. And God wants that for you. And, and, and so you have a, a higher efficiency. Listen to what it says. It says, pray and meditate enough and some changes in the brain will become permanent. Long-term meditators, those with 15 years of practice or more, appear to have thicker frontal lobes than non-meditators. That doesn't mean you're hard-headed. Okay, that's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that your frontal lobes actually get stronger. And they actually fire better. And they interact more with the other areas of the brain. And they act, this is a physical change that will take place in you if you meditate. And, and it actually will happen. It goes on to say this. People who describe themselves as highly spiritual tend to exhibit an asymmetry in the thalamus. A feature that other people can develop after just eight weeks of training in meditative skills. Now, now I don't know if you caught that just in a quick reading. But you know what this is saying? Scientific proof exists that if you would meditate for eight weeks, your brain actually will change physically and function better. God says, I'll do that for you. Later on in the article, it says your memory will improve. And, and, and all sorts of other benefits begin to happen. As a matter of fact, one of the other things they found is that meditation is one of the best ways to deal with stress. If you do it correctly, stress just leaves you. And you find yourself, even though you're still facing the situation, you find yourself not as wiped out by it. And of course, you know the danger of stress and what it can do to you physically. Now it's just gone. And God created you for this. But God's main reason wasn't the physical. By the way, I know you're going to say, well, God's main reason probably was the spiritual. And, and I think that is, might be true, but I think it's even higher. God's main reason for meditation is the relational. What it does with you and him, the, the intimacy that it creates, what happens in your life when, when you begin to, to spend this time with him is incredible. And so he's given all sorts of promises to anybody who meditates. Turn in, if you aren't there yet, to Psalm 1, verse 1, and look what it says. Oh, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He, the person who, now I want to make sure we say, this is about to look at the promises. The person who on the one hand does what James says. Get rid of filthiness and wickedness in your life. Now implant the word and meditate on it. If you do those two things, what does God promise you you'll be? It says in verse 3. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. There's no better place for a tree to be. 
I mean, if a tree is planted uh, and it's not firm, the stream will take it down and it will fall. But God says you'll have the strength and stability in your life. You'll be firmly planted. But where are you firmly planted? You're firmly planted by a stream of water, not a stagnant pond or lake that is in danger of not having the nutrients and the oxygenation in it and other things developing. It's a flowing stream that's always reoxidizing. In other words, God says, if you meditate on my word and you follow my ways, I'm going to cause you to have amazing vigor in your life. And it's always going to be flowing, always going to be touching, always going to be moving. God says that's what's going to happen to you if you do what I ask you to do. Then he says this, which yields its fruit in its season. Now it's interesting, remember Jesus said that you'll be known, or that people will know you by your fruit. You can't hide the fruit. And so what you can do is look at someone's life and see an outward fruit, proves what's inwardly there. But it's also interesting that in John, uh, Jesus was talking about that need to abide in him. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. Here's the same thing. It says you will bear fruit. You'll become a more loving person. You'll become a more peaceful person, a more patient person. Uh, you'll, you'll become a, a, a kinder person. Uh, you'll, you'll find yourself not given to anger. You're going to find uh, yourself wanting to react in, in godly ways just all of a sudden coming out of you. Why? Because God's word's in you. And it says you're going to have fruit. You're, you're going to be a fruitful person. Uh, the next thing it says is this. It says, and its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. Now, now, all of you probably know this, that when a tree begins to, to release its leaves or the leaves begin to turn colors and go, it's because the tree's going into survival mode. It's doing what it needs to do to get by through the next season so it can come back again. Now, here's, I don't want you to miss this. God is saying this to you. He's saying, if you would do this, you're not going to be in survival mode. No matter what's happening around you, no matter what the circumstances, you aren't going to think, oh man, I hope I can make it. Or, oh, I'm just barely going to get by. Or, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You're not going to have that attitude. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to have issues or struggles. But what I am saying to you, you're going to have a strength that's there, that's greater than any situation you face. And you're going to find yourself not withering ever. You're always going to have this vibrancy, this vitality, this life that bursts forth from you. And then he says this, and whatever he does, he prospers. Did you see that? And whatever he does, he prospers. Now, I'm not saying you're going to always prosper financially. I'm just saying this, that this is the Romans 8.28 thing that God promises. He's told us this. God says that he will cause all things to work together for good for those who love him and live their life according to his purpose. See, if you love God and you live your life the way he tells you to, one of the ways is by meditating. God says, I'll take every situation and work it somehow so that you step back and go, I can't believe it. God, somehow you made that even a good thing. He doesn't make all things, but he'll bring good out of everything. And God says this, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, you'll always prosper. You're always going to have the victory. You're always going to conquer. Life is not going to get the best of you. People are not going to get the best of you. Situations aren't going to get the best of you. Why? Because you are so closely tied to me in love. And, you're, and my word, God says, is so firmly inside of you. You have a strength. You have me with you. And God says, you're always, in the end, going to win. Now, again, it doesn't always mean this is going to be easy. But Jesus said that he wants you to be more than a conqueror in him. And this is the way it happens when you and I meditate. Because we're so intimate with God when we do it. And we're allowing him to speak to us and move in us in an incredible way. Listen to Joshua 1.8. 
It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You see, there isn't a dad out there who who doesn't want their children to succeed. And I want you to know your heavenly father loves you so much he wants you to succeed. And so that's why he's sharing this with you. That's why he's made this process for you. He wants that to happen for you. The promises are incredible. In Psalm 63, verses 5 and 6, it says that when we meditate, that our souls become fat. Now, I know you might think, wait, what does that mean? You see, I know that you want a physically fit body, but let me tell you something. You need a fat soul. We talked about fat prayers last week. God says, I want your soul fat. Not, no anemic soul. I mean, you got to have a soul, man, that's there and, you know, that jiggles when you walk. No, not really. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's got to be, it, it's growing. And what he's saying by that is to the depths of who you are, you're, you're, you're satisfied. And you're like, oh. And, and it's just this amazing feeling uh, when God says your soul, your soul is that satiated. And God's great desire for you and I is to have that happen. In Psalm 119.11, it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, now think about this. How do we hide God's word in our heart? By meditating. And, and get ready. Then he says, you're going to find yourself being able to overcome sin and resist sin and not give in to sin at nearly the same level. And, and, you know, you still have a choice. But he says, you're going to be stronger. And do you have some habits you want to break? I just talked to a man after the last hour. I'm not going to say what it was, but he's got this, this thing that's got him in bondage. And I said, really, I'm not kidding. Here's the passage. Go meditate on this. You really take that into your heart. And by the way, it does, it does work. It does work. God promised it. It will. And you know, there's some other things I want him to do too, but meditation's the number one most important thing. Do you have something you're wanting to be freed from? Let me say this to you. God doesn't want you in bondage. Not to a, a, a habit, not to uh, uh, dysfunction, not to debt. Uh, uh, he doesn't, he wants you free. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And here we're told in Psalm 119 that if you hide God's word in your heart, you're not gonna sin. Now, now how does that work? Let, let me talk about how it works and then we'll get in how to meditate. Uh, um, some of us have cars that talk. I have a truck and, and my truck just the other day, I'm driving down the road and my truck said to me, do you want to perform a diagnostic test? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and uh, you know, so it performed a diagnostic test. And every now and then it talks to me. Now, now uh, some of us have that. What would happen if you had a Christian car? You know, you went out and bought a Christian car. You get up in the morning and you come out and you open the door and get in and have a seat in the driver's seat, start the car, the lights come on and the car says to you, your lights are on. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. Have a blessed day. And then you put the car into reverse and the car goes, I'm sorry, I can't be going. You're not buckled yet. In Romans 13, it says to obey the laws of the land. You're like, oh, okay, so you buckle up. Then you start to back up and it says, now you're backing up, but please don't backslide. And uh, then you go driving down the road and all of a sudden somebody cuts you off and you go to hit the horn and, and it won't honk. And, and, and it says, do not repay evil for evil. And you're like, oh, you know. And then it says, and by the way, there's a sensor in your seat. And it tells me that you've gained 3.2 pounds. And in Proverbs 21, 23, it says, gluttons will surely inherit poverty. And uh, you're like, oh, okay. You know, and, and then you drive by and maybe you see a cute girl and you're like, whoa. And the window goes up and it says, he who looks upon a woman to lust after her, you know, has committed. And you're like, oh, you know. Now, now if you had a car like that, what would happen? You'd trade it in. 
You go get yourself a Sinmobile. No, uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But you know what would happen? Someone cut you off, you wouldn't even hit the horn. Why? Because it wouldn't work. And, and, and here's the thing. When you tie God's word in your heart and you do that, you let it speak to you, you're going to find yourself not doing those things. It, it just, it changes us. Now, now we all need to grow and, and we all need to improve, but this is the best way. It is the best way. And, and, and before God ever gave us Bibles, he gave us a mind to be able to memorize the scripture and hide it in our heart and have it walk around with us. And that's what God wants to do. So how do we meditate? How is it we do it? Well, it's in Joshua 1.8, we're told. And Joshua, by the way, was facing a, a very, I'm going to call stressful, dangerous situation. Uh, he was filled with fear. He was called upon to take over for Moses. How would you like to be Moses' successor? And Moses, the one who had parted the Red Sea, who had taken down Egypt. And now he's Moses, the one who lifts his hands and we have victory. And his hands drop and you have defeat. And by the way, Joshua's leading the army. When, when Moses' hands drop, they start losing. And now Moses is gone. And, and Moses said, yeah, Joshua's going to lead you. And you're thinking, who's going to hold up their hands? And, uh, and, and then he's standing on the verge of bigger bigger giants, huge areas, fortified areas to take. And, and he's filled with fear. And in Joshua 1.7, God says to Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. Do not fear. And then in Joshua 1.8, he said this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. And, and be careful so that you'll be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. God said to Joshua, you're facing the biggest battle of your life. You know what's going to get you through? Meditation. You know, it's going to get you success, meditation. And then God told us how to meditate there. How do you do it? Number one, memorize. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You memorize a passage of scripture. Now, usually it needs to be one, two, three, four, or more than one verse, usually three or four verses. It needs to be a section. And what you do is, is you memorize it. And I know for some of us that's more difficult than others. But you know what I'm saying is you get your Bible and you just relax in the morning and at night. And you look at it. And in the early stages you're going to have to have your Bible open probably. And you look at like a Psalm 1. And it says, oh how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Nor stand in the path of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But he is delighted. And you just sit and relax and read that and read that. And maybe five, ten minutes and you could just set it aside. Then do it again. And, but you do it all through it. You just kind of let that just go through your mind. And you try to get yourself to memorize it. And, and I'll say that probably for the vast majority of us, you'll, it'll take like three days. But in three days, you'll have it. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to learn it so well that you could say it without thinking about it. Now, now that's, that's important. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You could say it right away. Just say it real quickly. Oh, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the council. You know, just say it and, and be able to get it out there. And once you've memorized it, and this might take, like I said, around three days, then we go to the second step. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditate literally means to murmur and repeat again. By the way, all of us meditate. Uh, 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 you know, uh, Noah just recently asked Holly to be his girlfriend, and he did this big ceremony where he did it. I'm going to bet money, but that Noah, knowing that he was going to surprise her, he was meditating the lines to say. He was picturing the moment. He was going over it in his mind. He was thinking about how she would look at him with eyes filled. You know, that's meditating. Or if you're ever gonna, about to have, a, have it out with somebody, you're gonna about to have, you know, really get into it, and you're thinking, well, I'm going to tell them this, and they're going to say this, and I'm going to say this back, and, they're gonna, and then I'm going to get them. And, you know, and, and as you, you play that in your mind, you're meditating. So, so here's the thing. It's better to do that with Scripture. 
And so what you do is you begin to, to literally, and here's the key part, chew on it. You're going to chew on the scripture. What does that mean? It means you're going to go, oh, how blessed. Psalm 1-1, oh, how blessed. And you just stop. See, Lord, I want to think about what blessed means. I know it means to jump for joy. I, I, I mean, oh, you want my life to be so filled with things that I literally want to leap. Uh, those blessed moments. And, and then what I did when I was doing this is I began to start just thinking about some of those. I sat there and I said, God, I am so blessed to have Pam. Back then our kids were young. I'm so blessed to have Tim and Rich. And, and, and I just thought about that and I just thought of the blessing there on my life and things they had done. Today, you know, when I do it, I think about Liam or, or Jill or, or, you know, and other family members or grand, my other granddaughters. And, and I just start really they, oh, God, I'm so blessed. I, I'm blessed to have this. I, the other day I was meditating, and, and I remember it was a blessing moment, and I said, God, I'm so blessed because I watched one of our staff people just loving on someone and, 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 and taking them through an issue, and I just thought, what a heart they have. And, and God, it's a blessing to be around that. And it's a blessing you saved that person. It's a blessing you helped them. And, and, and I just, you know, you just talk about the blessings. And by the way, I don't know if you could do this, but I could do that for a couple days. I just sit and think about the blessing it is, the blessing to know him, the blessing to live in Southern California, not Illinois. <laughs> Uh, the, the, if you're like Illinois, then you're just wrong. But anyway, uh, uh, you know, and the, the blessing, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, you just do that. Then you take the next one. Oh, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And I sat there thinking, Lord, when have I walked in the counsel of the wicked? How often have I walked in the counsel of the wicked? How often have I done what, what is against your word, what other people tell me to do? You know, and, and you can start going through those. Lord, the reason I've got the debt I have right now and I'm in bondage to it is because I, I didn't listen to your word. I didn't practice delayed gratification. I, I let the TV and life and, and, and marketing and, and, and my own lack of self-control happen and I just went and got stuff, Lord, rather than waiting to afford it and, and didn't pray enough about it and didn't ask for you to move. And, and, and God, you know what? I was in the counsel of the wicked in that moment where the idea of having more, more, more and the newer thing and always got to have the next newest thing. And, and God, I, I was in the counsel of the wicked and now I'm, I'm caught with that. And, and Lord, I'm not blessed when that happens, but I am so blessed, Lord, when I, I would have said no and when I have. God, I'm in the counsel of the wicked when I'm selfish. When I think that my happiness matters more than everybody else's, when I 